This episode is sponsored by In the Limelight. As a modern guide for living a greater good, InTheLimelightMedia.com is an online multimedia platform made up of video and radio content and a magazine dedicated to intelligent media for the savvy entrepreneur. It offers a plethora of compelling information and educational subject matter. Visit InTheLimelightMedia.com. On this episode, we have Kai Stube. Kai was born in Germany and has studied and lived in many parts of the globe, including Australia, Chile, China, and the U.S. He represents the true spirit of an entrepreneur, having tried his hand in a number of different arenas, including wellness, fashion, and technology. He has exemplified resilience and gratitude in all he has done, which he attributes for his success and what fuels his continued drive. Kai, it's really great to have you on the show. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. It's great to be here. It's a pleasure. Excellent. Kai, I want you to share with us a little bit about uh, growing up in, uh, in Germany, uh, in the Nea von Köln, uh, in the neighborhood of Cologne, and yes. um, what that, those experiences were like. I mean, I grew up in a small town, right? And it was interesting. Like, I liked it. You know a lot of people in the town. You're familiar with a lot of different things. Um, I think what might be the most interesting aspect of growing up in a small town in Germany and then afterwards getting into the big uh, wild, wild west world was that here a lot of things are like based on trust. Like if someone tells you, I'm going to do that, like they're going to do that. Uh, here, like you don't even need a handshake and you're certain that the business or the deal or the commitment is moving in that direction. And with this kind of mindset, I went into the wide world and uh, this didn't work out to my advantage several times. So like there was a lot of learning experience. And then after traveling the world for like a decade, a little bit more of a decade, I came back into my small hometown and I've been here the last two years and uh, I'm actually really enjoying it. Like it's, it's, it's good to be back, but there are obviously many things that I'm missing. For sure. Wow. Well, it sounds like we're in store for a bunch of great stories, so I can't wait to dive into those. Um, I, I know you've shared with me that you started playing golf at a young age and you were a member of the German national golf team. How old were you when you first played golf? I think it started like I started playing golf when I was like 11 or 12. And like it took me maybe like three years where I played a lot of golf to like get to a certain kind of level. Um, what was really working in my favor was that um, I didn't play in the national team. I played the German championship once. But what really worked in my favor was that it was organized by the states in Germany. So like each state could send a certain amount of people. And I'm in like a very small state. And in my state, they were in like the best golfers in Germany. So that gave me the opportunity to play in the German final. Um, I didn't win that. I wasn't even close, but it was a great experience. And uh, yeah, like I still like to play golf now in the last three months more than ever. And so it's always a great time to like calm down. And uh, what is so interesting about golf is take tennis, take soccer, take biking. Like if you really feel this like hate i want to i want to say in like a positive way you can say i'm pushing it i'm pushing it i'm pushing it and with pure willpower 
you can exceed your current like level. Like with golf, it's precisely the opposite. As soon as you say, now I'm gonna hit it twice as far, you're gonna shank it to the right. Like I promise you that. And that's like this mental aspect of the game that's fascinating to me. And I think it really teaches you a lot of things about like life and how to compel yourself. I'm so glad you brought that up, Kai, because I was going to ask you, you, over the years that we've known each other, you made a, a really insightful comment to me. You say, you said that golf is the ultimate battle with oneself. Yes, I think that's what it is. And it's, it's fascinating because a lot of people are like very upset when they play golf, but everyone is coming back. Right. And like now I play golf to have fun and it's really not like um, it's really not influencing like the state of my day as much as it used to, because like there's this saying here, like it might be tough to translate, but like a bad day on the golf course is better than a good day in the office. (laughs) You translated that very well. (laughs) There is at least some some truth to that. But nevertheless, like you see so many people are like screaming and hated and say, God, like I'm never going to play again. And like it doesn't take more than 24 hours and like they're back at it. Like there's a certain kind of like addiction to the sport. And that might be like this mental, mental challenge and game that it has on you. I don't know. I love the metaphor for life that you highlighted. That's really telling. And uh, I'm sure that has informed other things that uh, you've done. Um, so I know that you, you started university in Germany, but you also studied in Australia and Chile as well? Yeah, like an undergrad. I started in Germany and I studied abroad in Chile first, in Viña del Mar. It's like one and a half hours away from Santiago. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to Australia and I studied abroad in Australia. And then I moved to China for like half a year and I did a trainee program at Mercedes-Benz Auto Finance China in Beijing. And then I went back to Germany for nine months to like finish my bachelor degree. And then I moved to the States, to Los Angeles, where we met Asim. Yes, absolutely. It was in 2009. Yep. I won't forget. (laughs) Well, you also continued some studies. You were at UCLA and Loyola Marymount. Yeah, I started like at uh, UCLA. It was like an introductory math class for like a master in financial engineering. Then like right away after like the first semester, I started at Loyola Marymount for like an MBA in strategy and finance. And I finished that in 2012. Gotcha. I started my first business out of out of business school. Uh, Supper King. Didn't go very far. No, that was like uh, Rush 49 with Trulline. The company is still around and I think they're doing like a decent job. We're like daily deals, right? And like it was the time when like Groupon was getting really big and we were the first company that was doing it on a mobile base. But as you know, or you're aware of, like there's so much money that was like poured into these sites that like after a few months, everyone was like mobile and even mobile first. And uh, it it was difficult to grow then, but I think that they like really found a niche and the company is still around. And like, I haven't seen people working as hard as they do. Mm. Um, I sold my shares like uh, a couple of years later. Um, But yeah, I wish them the best. They're they're great guys. Nice. nice. So uh, when did you start Supper King? 
it was also like in, I think it was like in the beginning of 2012. And it was like a funny story. We had an idea. I'll never forget it. Like uh, I just moved into a new apartment building close to the Grove, the Palazzo in Los Angeles. Sure. Um, with a buddy of mine, like a Norwegian guy. And um, truth be told, I'm not gonna not gonna lie about it. Like we were sitting on the couch and like we were in this massive apartment complex and we said, okay, there was like a lot of like young people right now. How can we meet all the girls here? And <laughs> basically the idea that we had was like Tinder, but we didn't have like the computer knowledge and anything, the engineerical knowledge to like turn this around. But this is what Tinder is now. And nevertheless, it was like a location-based service. And I went to the library at Loyola Marymount and like uh, met, um, met um, another student there. Like, I mean, we were in the same class and like we just talked and I said, hey, like what's going on? What are you working on? He said on my location-based platform. And I said, damn it, tell me more about it. And then like <laughs> he, he pitched me and it was very interesting. And I said, okay, like I don't have any experience like let me come on board like uh, let me learn a few things teach me a little bit and uh, that's that's where we're at i had no idea what we were doing and how we were doing it but that was uh, that was the beginning of it all fantastic well it uh, it lasted about a year and a half i think yeah roughly for me roughly one yeah, a year year and a half and uh, the concept was, was to bring people together at different locations for a new yes. experience. Yeah. yeah, precisely. It was the same thing, right? Like go to the Chinese restaurant and like pay uh, only a 50%, right? Or like for $10, you get $20 of value or like do the skydiving session that it's $150 for like 79, right? Like the group home model, precisely yeah. like that. Okay. I think now they're like in a niche for like um, sport car experiences and skydiving and things like that. But like I didn't check in. Gotcha. Okay. Well, and uh, the golf course has been inspiration for a few ideas, uh, including one that uh, you called Pop Molly. Yeah, that, that was funny. Like we were playing golf in Palm Springs and we were playing the 17th hole. Like I'll never forget that like the sky was playing behind us. We were like a twosome and he was on his own and he was obviously playing much faster. And like we said, hey, you want to like play through? And he said, no, guys, like, why don't I play the last two holes with you? We said, okay, that sounds really great. And like, somehow we started like to talk about it um, and about like business and what he's doing. And he was wearing this like plastic belt. And he said that he was living in Asia for a long time and he purchased it there. It was like, I don't know, $3 and it's very cool. And like immediately, like um, the light bulb went on and we said, wow, like that might be a very cool business. Yeah, like selling these plastic bells and like we had the sustainability aspect right from the beginning as they were made out of recycled rubber. Yeah, so like tires and so forth. And like we had them in many different colors and you could uh, mix up the belt with the buckle and different colors and stuff. But um, we were thinking like very big in the beginning immediately and like we bought 20,000 belts I'll never forget from China and had these massive boxes coming into our warehouse um, somewhere in Motor City I think <laughs> close to Los Angeles 
Um, and like we went to Magic twice. We had a booth at Magic, what is the biggest fashion convention in the world in Las Vegas, right? It happens twice. But the first one we went to was in summer, what I think is like the big one. Um, it was great. Like we had great photo shootings. We had great content. We had like a pretty decent social media um, outreach at that time. And this is where it was just starting, right? Like I can remember when we went to Magic the first time, there were like three bloggers and like a blogger event. And everyone said, what is a blogger? <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> what are these girls doing? Right. I think the rest right. is history where right? we don't have to dive into that here. But we didn't really focus on like selling and like we didn't really like pull through and like we we thought wow this is such an amazing concept and brand and design and we love it so much and just because we love it so much we thought that the whole world is going to love it as much and that didn't work out and like after a while we're just running out of cash and like we didn't have enough cash in the beginning that was like an issue we're completely underfunded and then we had like an investor and he was like with us for two months and he came to Vegas with us and like he, uh, he was going out with us there and like we had a great report and relationship and he said, Hey, like my daughter, she's like the perfect target demographic. And like, I invest a good chunk of money and she can be the next model and so forth. And like coming back to the small hometown, like I believe this guy, yeah. right? Like I thought when he tells me he's going to invest the money, to me, it was clear that he is going to invest the money. Yeah. And uh, like after two months, when like all the credit cards were stripped, like he said, guys, kind of bad news. I don't have the money. <laughs> wow. Right. And this is like this naive, blind mindset. And now looking backwards, um, now I can take it with more ease because I say, okay, like, this is how I grew up and like nobody taught me to operate in a different way. Yeah. But like back then and like you're familiar, we're probably going to talk about all the like things that happened afterwards to me. Like it was very tough. I imagine. Yes. Well, it's, um, it's a very hard lesson that entrepreneurs learn. And um, yeah, I, I'm sure a lot of entrepreneurs listening can identify with exactly that same situation. I, I have no doubt. <laughs> well, Let's talk about uh, a passion area of yours, and um, this will be a good segue to some of the other things you've done. So I know you're passionate about biohacking, and that term has come to mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So Kai, what does biohacking mean for you personally? Biohacking to me is basically upgrading your level of performance. Yeah, or like upgrading your brain, upgrading your energy level, upgrading your focus. It's basically, if you take like an average of like all these different parameters about like how you feel and like how to make those better. And I think like biohacking, like 5,000 years ago, like there was probably like some kind of biohacking, like if you ate better food, right? Like you felt better. 5,000 years is obviously too much, right? There weren't that many foods, but like let's, let's say like 50 years ago, right? Like if you had proper food, like you felt better. And then like the whole medical drug industry came and there were like a lot of supplements and the testing got better and better. And now all the way up to like uh, DNA testing, 
like where you can really feel like what works great for me, what doesn't work great for me, like what uh, food really fuels me, what food slows me down, where do I get brain fog from, right? And I think it's a very interesting exploration of yourself, right? I think like with biohacking, you learn a lot about yourself. And to me, the biohacking term, the way it's used, it's like a very physical aspect, mm. right? Yeah. And I read about this guy, like he says that he does spirit hacking. So like spirit hacking is like where you have physical part and like the supplements and the testing and the Adderall and modafinil and whatever it is. And then like he combines it with like the right mindset, right? Like how to think, how to think about yourself, how to... Um, show gratitude, right? What can really propel you to the next level? And I think this is like actually where the biohacking is moving right now, right? Like if you spend a decent amount of time and read like a couple of books and did like some testing, you can get to a pretty, pretty good level about like how you feel from like a physical perspective. And then you're really just tweaking the last like 0.5% where you can spend a shit ton of time and money on, right? As like everything in life. And it really comes to the mindset. And that's something what I'm like very interesting in these days. And talking about this like uh, Corona lockdown, right? Like we're really spend a decent amount of time and like read books really about like the basics, how to think, how to make decisions, how to look at situations, right? It's very interesting when we talk about like school, People taught us what we need to learn, but nobody taught us how to learn it, right? It's like a very stupid example. Like, when did you have your last reading class, right? Like in second grade, probably. But there's so many different concepts, not only like speed reading, where most people think about just skipping words, right? Like if you write a book, most people, if you read a book, excuse me, like most people read a book like on the couch with like the feet up in the air, and you forget 85%, right? Like you really <laughs> want to like understand a book, like you sit on a desk and you have the same approach to like reading a book as you have to like working on an Excel file. Yeah. And like you take your notes and like notes from the book. And what is obviously more important when it comes to memory is like your own thoughts to it, right? How does it feel? Like, what do you think about it? What ideas pop up in your mind? And like when you combine it, then like from colors to smell, to stories, to experiences, to whatever, then you really start memorizing it and you can get so much more out of a book. Yeah. And that's also like biohacking to me. Yeah. So yes, like the physical part of the body, like the medical part, but then also like everything that comes above that on like a mind level. That's really great. I'm glad you described those two arenas. So I have to ask, when did you first biohack? And was it a supplement or something physical? Or was it something spiritual or, or mental? I mean, I started with, uh, with the supplements. And truth be told, I think we're living in a time where everybody wants to get to the same goal faster and with less effort. Mm. And I think that's what biohacking by the end of the day is. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like, yes, maybe there are some billionaires in Silicon Valley who say, hey, how can I be even more productive? But I think for like most people, it's just like some kind of laziness. Like, how can I be more efficient and how can I be more effective? 
And that's basically what brought me to the biohacking. Like what I learned pretty late in life, unfortunately, is that I'm like slightly sensitive to gluten, to lactose, to like egg white. Um, always had like a, a, a foggy brain, couldn't really concentrate in school. Many times where I was really tired when I had like a lot of breath in the morning, for example, and like two, two glasses of milk. Um, that's how like I started to get into it. And then like, I was just, I wasn't really like taking a scientific approach, but like I read like an article here and I tried it out and I read an article there and I tried it out and then I forgot about it. And then after half a year, I was upset that I wasn't like as efficient as I could be. And then like, I got back into it and like, I got the same supplements out of, <laughs> out of the drawer that I already had, right? Like this is the kind of exploration. And I think then, at like a certain level when I changed my approach to the field and like my approach to this like self-discovery, like where I really like learned a lot about myself. And now like, especially after the two years, the last two years where I'm back in Germany, like I think I got a pretty good understanding about like myself from like a physical perspective about like food, about supplements, about what works well for me, what doesn't work well for me, what is like pretty individual right like i would say especially when it comes to like when it comes to the part of biohacking and it comes to like these supplements that push your performance right like is it modafinil is it adderall is it ritalin yeah like whatever it is everybody reacts in a different way and like it really depends like on how not only like our brain works but i think like the kind of thoughts that we have um i think it's deepak chopra who said that every day and like, don't, don't quote me on the numbers, but that we have like 80,000 thoughts every day. Yeah. And that like 95% of the thoughts are the same that we had yesterday. Uh, right. So like when you're in like an anxious mind state anyways, and then like you take some of these like biohacking supplements, right. It's just increasing your eventually like anxiety, right. Like if you feel really good about yourself, it's just increasing that. And like, I learned a lot about like what works for me, what doesn't work for me. And, um, yeah, like the same with the mindset, like that came later. Then I went to South America. I did like a shaman training. It was very interesting. It was a phenomenal time to completely excluded from society in the mountains for five weeks. Wow. Um, that was pretty recent, right? Yeah. It was like end of 2018. Wow. Okay. And which country were you in? I was in Chile. It was in Chile. I was flying to Santiago and then like to the beach. And then from there, they were like picking us up and we went one and a half hours into the mountains in this like sanctuary from the Four Winds Society. It was phenomenal. Like it was and a really great experience. Tell us about the draw. Like what, what compelled you? What made that feel like I have to go do this? It's very difficult to say. And like, I think it's something about like my mind. And now I know about like um, ADHD to like a certain extent, right? Like that I, that I am very interested in something and then like it takes me two days and in two days I read five books and I read like a hundred blog posts and I did a lot of research and I'm really in the zone and then I have to do it. And then like after a pretty short amount of time, I say, okay, that was great. And that might've been very beneficial for my life. But for example, I'm not practicing it anymore. Like we learned a lot of things there, like even how to start your day, right? Like these pre, 
um, pre-workday routines, right? I think like routines is what it really comes, like that's what separates the most successful people from like everyone else, right? The routines that you have in place. And like we learned a lot of great things there from like breath work to like stretching to mindfulness, right? To like resetting your mind. And unfortunately, I'm not, I'm not incorporating it into my daily life. Like I do it here and there, but not at like the same time every day. And like this is uh, something what I want to improve all the time, but uh, it's very difficult. No, I can understand. There's no reason for not doing it. Well, it's a, you know, uh, adopting a and process. Behavior. Exactly. It takes time. Yeah, right. People say that you have to do it like continuously or consecutively for 40 days. Yeah. Right. And then it's like part of your behavior. Unfortunately, like I couldn't make that happen yet. Yet. So I read like, like I'm very familiar <laughs> with like the theory behind it and tiny habits and like do one push up every day and then increase it to two and three. What well, is no time involvement at all, right? But it's phenomenal. Like I think basically it's very easy to like be like always on your A game. Yeah. And I think so this true. comfort that we're living in, right? Like that just makes it very difficult yeah oh, and like all the things that just draw our attention away yeah distractions right? like in that it's, way it's, it's distraction yeah it's phenomenal yeah let's go back a little bit because after um uh you had the uh the pop molly situation and the golf course experience uh you moved to dubai for a while yeah like even i moved to dubai beginning of 2014 but in 2013 with a friend um that uh, that i met in dubai we got into the wellness industry that was like a time where i actually saw these cryo chambers these freezing chambers in los angeles like through my roommate at that time i got introduced to a german family they were in this business like i checked it out and it was phenomenal like people were lining up outside like at that point they didn't have a lot of marketing they didn't have a lot of branding it was like three minutes at minus 240 degrees right, where you would say, who can be so stupid doing that, and who can be even more stupid to pay for it, <laughs> yeah, but that's just the common sense, as soon as you tried it out, like, it's phenomenal, it gives you, like, an energy boost, and, like, a mental clarity that's really second to none, and I said, wow, that's an interesting business, and, like, I just wanted to, like, introduce the guys to the guys in Dubai, just be, like, a middleman, but then there was, like, a lot of differentiation and, like, pricing and setup and so forth, and, like, we said, okay, like, let's do it on our own, and that, like, kind of, like, grew steadily in Dubai, and then beginning of 2014, I said, okay, like, let me move to Dubai, let's really push that, and then we started with, like, retail and built a couple of retail locations, vertically integrated that with, like, service, as it works with, like, liquefied gases, we founded a service company, wasn't only servicing our cryo businesses or franchisees or like private people at the, 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 the chamber at home, but also like uh, blood plasma freezing and hospitals and bars and nightclubs and so forth. Then like a little bit later, we um, set up our own manufacturing. So we're always a very data-driven company and like we knew what our clients were looking for and what they wanted to have and what they didn't like. And uh, then we basically had the full vertical integration of like retail service and uh, manufacturing and research and development. Yeah, and no, yeah, 
T tell us a little bit more on that manufacturing side, because it's a great story about uh, the time you spent in Poland and uh, the, the manufacturer you set up there. <coughs> Excuse me. No Corona. Um, <laughs> I, I tested negatively, like, uh, but no antibodies, unfortunately. Uh, um, like basically this business started in Poland as Poland is very big, even though it's a cold country, yeah, but like Poland and cryotherapy somehow goes hand in hand. And before we started the retail concept, we were there, we were looking at equipment. The equipment was like on a pretty low, like quality level and like a lot of what was still used and so forth. And we took these chambers, but we were running into many problems. And then <clears throat> we wanted to get into basically developing our own chamber. We went like to the market leader or to one of the market leaders at that time and said, okay, guys, like, this is what we want. Can you make this chamber? And they said, yeah, that's not a problem at all. 1 million euros. And then we had a guy that was running the service company and said, guys, for like a million euros, like, let's take a quarter of that money and set up our own manufacturing shop and like take their best engineers and employees and just develop our own product. Like, that's, that's what happened. That's what we did at that time. And uh, yeah, to a certain level, that worked out great. To a certain level, it didn't. But uh, I think it was a bold move and uh, something I always like to look back to. Yeah, absolutely. Well, share with us how it didn't work out so great, because it seems like a brilliant move. I mean, the move was great. And I think the company is doing very good. Um, I think what is a problem in the company is um, like cultural differences and differences in like ideas and mindsets and strategies and ways of communication um, all the way up to this handshake example what I had. Our company we have a lot of like different uh, nationalities and and everything but to me, it's like something else of like a lot of different nationalities come to, let's say, Los Angeles and are kind of like building an American company or like when you're having a company in an off zone, um, offshore zone in Dubai and you have people that are like living and operating out of like different cultural zones, right? Like that made it a little bit difficult, like we're running into a lot of like internal issues and then at one point. Like I uh, pulled the plug, yep. like I sold my my interest in the company, right. and I'm actually happy about that. Like that was a good move. It was, yeah. or like many things, I wasn't really happy about, and uh, probably a lot of people that weren't happy about uh, what I did and how I thought. So uh, it's good that we came like to an end there. Yeah, yeah. No, it sounds like a good uh, the the right resolution. Maybe that's how we should talk about it. Yeah, um, not always easy, but uh, was like a lot of learning, right? For sure. Like a little uh, little crash course and like business crime. <laughs> so uh, not bad to have that either, I guess. <laughs> All good experience. Shareholder, good. shareholder crime. Yeah. We we move forward from there, and we we learn that. So so all these lessons, you know. Our, our, our learnings we have to go through, teachings we have to experience in order to, to get it just right. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> um, last, uh, so you've come back to Germany the last two years. After you came back from South America, share with us how you've been spending your time, what ideas you've been pursuing. 
um, South America, you mean from the shamanic, the shamanic training that, that I received there. Yeah. Um, I think what is interesting about, about these things is like the first day afterwards, like you're a different human being. Mm. Yeah, and like the second day afterwards, like it's kind of like flattening out and like it takes a few months and then you're back into like your regular day to day. Mm. Um, I think to really like keep this spirit or this energy up, you really need to implement it on a daily level. And like, unfortunately I didn't do that. Like I can look back to it, to like some awesome experiences to some really great learnings or teachings about myself, um, about great people that I met, um, about a different mindset that you just have when you exclude it from everything, right? Like I can tell you that I went to like a class from like the same group, like in Germany, kind of like a refresher for two days. And like I was there, it was last year and like I left after day one, like I said, like, what am I doing here? Wow. Right? Like it, it, it was a very weird feeling to do that in Germany. Yeah. And it was a little bit of like woohoo to me. Yeah. But like when you were really in like the mindset with the people and it was all kind of like um, OG, <laughs> to use this term. And yeah, it was, it was phenomenal. Like I think there are some times where I'm still really enjoying the fruits of it. Um, it definitely helped me to understand myself and also like other people. Um, there were obviously a lot of people that a lot of people that came to this class to like work through some personal problems. And there was a lot of like honesty and openness. So it was really great to like see how these people changed in like these five, six weeks. Um, but yeah, I can definitely say that, uh, it, uh, it was too short, uh, until I got back into my, my day to day business yeah. and, um, by the end of the day to also talk about something negative, right? Like what I think is interesting about all these, about all these things and like all these different experiences, like everything sounds interesting when we talk about this right and like a different business here and like fashion there and wellness there and like tech there and shamanic experience there but like people that became really successful right they were going for one thing right and like they said okay like i'm focusing on one single thing and i'm gonna execute on it and i don't care what other people tell me and what other people think and if there's a wall and how high this wall is and I'm really going to push through this wall for like the next 10 years, mm. right? Like this is really success. And then like afterwards, a lot of people say, oh, like this is this overnight success, but it actually took like 10 years to really get there, right? And like that's one of the things that I probably um, dislike most about like my last 15 years in my life that yes, I had like a lot of experiences, but there wasn't like enough focus on like one single thing because there was always like something interesting coming up, also like something else, also like other interests. And I think, I mean, now I understand from like psychological perspective that this is just how my brain works. But I think to really become successful, right? Like you have to conquer, you have to conquer these weaknesses and understand yourself and just have to push. And uh, it's still, 
high on my agenda, I see. <laughs> well, I think you're being a little too hard on yourself. I think that, um, you know, uh, our tagline for this podcast is mining the nonlinear path. And I think that's the experience for most entrepreneurs. It's nonlinear. We try something, it doesn't work. The smart ones, we know when to stop. And you've shared many stories where you've known when to stop. So as I've known you, Kai, you've always thrown yourself 100% into everything you're doing. Um, we just, you just need to find the right platform that um, will, will work and you get the right feedback that it's working. And then you'll know if this is the one to spend 10 years of full focus. And you just, you haven't come across it yet. That's all. Yeah, that's right. But like something else I would like to talk about, because I think it's like a good fit for, for like this podcast. And there's also like part of like the shamanic training or like the spirituality part of it. And like the mindset part, what I got into, I think like, the people that you meet and everybody talks about that is always like a reflection of yourself. Right. And I think that's very important for like every entrepreneur, every person that is listening and like thinking about new ideas. Like when I came to Los Angeles, like I wanted to make money, right? Like I didn't care if it's like in fashion or if it's like in tech, like I wanted to be successful. I wanted to make money in like a very fast way. So who are the people that I met? People who want to make money in a fast way, right? Are people that just want to make money in a fast way, the people you really want to put all your eggs in a basket with? Absolutely not, right? So this is why a lot of like things happen. Like cryo issues and like looking for investors and right, like I can't even remember, like we said, okay, like great, like let's take the money, right? Like we want money, we want to grow the business. And like we weren't very hesitant on the selection process of these people who just wanted the money. So like we went with people who just had the money and right as a reflection of our mindset that like really bit me in the butt afterwards. Yeah. And that's something that like I also learned like the tough way, but maybe to go to take the loop again, like something in Chile and the shamanic experiences and really think about that and like taking time off the grid to really dive into it. It's what it taught me to, yeah, how to position myself and like what is really important and how to, how to like choose the right path that will hopefully bring this desired success, whatever that stands for in the near future. Absolutely. And as we talked earlier about the two areas of biohacking, the physical supplement base and then the spiritual mental side, it feels like you've been more drawn to the spiritual mental side and have gotten quite a bit out of it. I think that you can dig much deeper into the, um, into, um, the mindset, right? Like it's, like I said, I mean, when we talk about the biohacking, right? Like you can read millions of books and you can probably spend millions of dollars on it, but um, without knowing exact numbers, but just metaphorically speaking, right? 50% of how you feel is how good you sleep. And the next like 40% is like what you eat. And then like we're really talking about the last 10%, right? Like if you take a magnesium pill a day and if you take some vitamin three, and if you're uh, doing intermittent fasting like two times a week, then you're like at 97%. And 
And then like to really optimize the last 3%, you can spend an unlimited amount of time and an unlimited amount of money, right? Like then you become really fanatic about it. Yeah. I think like when it comes to the mindset, the spirituality, like the way to think, there's just like, it's so much broader, right? Like there's so much more because it's all based on like our individual experiences in our life. So like from a physical, from a biological perspective, like every human is fairly similar, right? Like when we look at the DNA, like what is it? 99% uh, identical to a banana, right? Like, I mean, right. Like something like that. Like it's, yeah. it's very close. Like if we talk about our biological differences, like they're, they're very small, but like all our psycho psychology, our behavior, the way how we think like um, our mindset, right? That's like all based on our individual experiences. And there's just so much data that's multiplying with itself that really spreads and everyone is, is uh, on their own path there. And that's uh, yeah, what makes it probably like more interesting to me right now than to like tweak the last 0.5% on the supplement side. Sure. No, that makes complete sense. Um, with the, the little time we have left, Kai, um, you were involved in a project during this pandemic. Um, and I'd like for you to share about that. Um, yeah, beginning of the year, like we went back into the fashion business. Yeah, like I was in China two times beginning of the year. Like we're talking to different mills to like our Chinese partner there. And we really want to dive into the fast fashion. Yeah, let's say like an H&M with like a new positioning, um, cheap, fast, um, one collection per month. And then like this whole Corona started. Yeah, I'll never forget, like I was actually in China when like these numbers like slowly started to rise and people said, oh my God, what is going on? And then I said, okay, like you're an entrepreneur. This really sucks. But every YouTube video that you look at and every podcast that you hear says like, it's not about like falling, it's about getting up. So like I rerouted everything to Italy. Yeah, and like I talked to people there and I worked day and night and like oh dear. I, I raped my coffee machine. Yeah. And we had everything in Italy and then like Italy shut down. <laughs> And said, this is, this is just phenomenal, right? Like how much luck can one person have? And like, as I already built the team beginning of the year is we wanted to launch like a full fashion company bit of April. Like we were pretty aggressive in like hiring really great expensive talent. And that was talent was obviously on the payroll. And I said, shit, like, what can we do? And like we pulled a little task force together and like wrote a book about Corona from a scientific perspective, because there were so many informations about Corona, like who knows what was actually true and what wasn't true and what was exaggerated. So like we really took a great American professor and like a great nutritionist and took a, took a deep dive at it. Where does it probably come from? Like, what's the, uh, how dangerous is it actually? And then like all the way up to what to do when you're pregnant with Corona to protect your unborn child, what to do with your little kids, right? All these things. And then we turned that into an online class. 
So like I got a phenomenal camera crew. They came to my place and like we really shot a great 15, 16 lesson online class. Like very high level production. They cut it. It looked beautiful. So like we started and said, okay, like the book market without knowing the exact number, let's say 95% is Amazon. So like, I'll never forget, like I had the PDF or like the Kindle publishing application online, like on my computer and like I uploaded it and I cracked the beer and I said, wow, now you're like published, published author with like a lot of ghost writers. And like a day later, it got declined. Oh said, no. It's impossible. Like what is happening because we fulfilled and we took a lot of time to like really look at the guidelines from the Kindle publishing. And then like we found out that there were just, that there was so much content and so many books trying to be published about the Corona topic that Amazon just said, like, we can't do the quality control of that. And we don't want to guide or steer people in the wrong direction. And then are just a company that's publishing shitty content to make money. So a lot of bad ones obviously fell under that category. I would say that we had a really great book, but it fell under the same category and we couldn't put it on Amazon. Wow. Right. And like that really like broke my neck to a certain extent, but nevertheless, like we created a whole website for the online class and uh, had our own website. We were like uploading the book and you could like purchase the book and you could purchase the video class. And like we linked it with uh, teachable.com, but it was our native website. And then we're getting into like the advertisement on social media, right? And uh, Google AdWords. And then we run into this, ran into the same problem that these companies of Google or Facebook weren't really supportive of anything around Corona for the same reason as they didn't want to steer people in the wrong direction and be this like giant company that's just monetizing other people's anxiety and fears. Right. So like to talk, to take the victim mentality here right now that you should obviously never take in life. But I said, okay, like we got screwed by the coronavirus, we got back up. We got screwed by Italy, like we got back up. We wrote a book, it got declined from Amazon, we got back up, we published the video, we got back up. And then I really said, okay, like, I need, I need like a timeout right now. And now looking backwards, I should have uploaded on YouTube, right? Like uh, send it to people, like maybe just via iMessage and WhatsApp, like the book could have been sent around and maybe many people could have benefited from it. But my spirit at that point was just broken, right? Like I said, this is impossible. Like I had 10 days at home where I had like a bottle of Campari a day and like a lot of Nutella. And then after 10 days, I said, okay, that's not like the line. And then really got back into like working out, doing sport, getting up at six in the morning, trying to stick to the routines as much as I can, read a book a day, and then really dived into these like basics, what I was talking about uh, earlier in the podcast, like how to think, how to read, how to memorize things. And now like business is slowly picking up. And um, yeah, looking backwards, I mean, I think, there's, uh, I mean, there's only one way to live life and that's to see the positive things and like to find, uh, to find, uh, to find a good, uh, to find a good uh, meaning and everything. And like it's the job set, connecting the dots, looking backwards. And uh, that's what I'm trying to do as much as I can. And like after reading this great book about gratitude, 
like show gratitude that really made my life much more enjoyable and turned me into a much happier person that I am today. So be what's what's be grat gratitude what's the word be grateful gracious grateful yeah, grateful, yeah. Uh, grateful but, people that's what it's all about you you certainly are adopting and showing all of that um resilience um that you talked about earlier because uh one of the first things you highlighted was this idea it's not not how many times you fall off the bike or the horse it's how many times you get back up and uh you've you've shown that and uh, it's extremely impressive. And, um, you know, I, I think so many people can identify with uh, the, the, the obstacles that you faced, but uh, you're doing absolutely the right thing. And, you know, your orientation and disposition throughout this call has been one of, uh, of, of, of alacrity, of, of being positive and thoughtful and, and not saying, oh, all these negative things happened and so I hate the world. Um, you're, you're being extremely positive about it, and I think that's going to make the difference. Thank you. I appreciate that, Asim. Absolutely. You, you made some comments about uh, consumer behavior going forward. Is there something you'd like to highlight about that? Consumer behavior is interesting. Like what you were just talking about, about like this failing and getting back up, right? I think that it's very romantic, romanticized, 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 romanticized in Silicon Valley. And I don't think it's that great when you fall all the time because it's like a scratch in a leather jacket. And it's obviously like a psychological pattern in your brain. Yeah, I'm not the biggest fan that you have all these people and they are when they are a billionaire and are sitting on the yard, it's very simple to say, yeah, it was great looking backwards now that I failed back then. But like, it's never easy to go through it. No, and I think you really feel it in the personality of people when that happened to them a lot. It's and so then true. either at one point you become extremely shrewd, if you become extremely, extremely risk averse and anxious. But um, yeah, I mean, I guess, uh, I guess that's uh, everyone is on their own journey and uh, we have to deal, we got to deal with the punches. I envision you maybe not a yacht, but on a, a amazing golf course that you own, reflecting back, saying the same exact thing. You know, your, good thing I had all those failures. <laughs> That's what led to this amazing success. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like I said, right? I use this word like a crash course in business crime, right? Like obviously, you change your behavior, or like you just. Absolutely. Right. What I actually think is like good to a certain extent, if you like uh, draw very clear boundaries, but nevertheless, like uh, I think it like increased my radar for bullshit a lot. <laughs> That's an important tool as an entrepreneur. Unfortunately, it is. Yes. Unfortunately, it is. All very right. Cool. My good point. Vielen Dank. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being and, on the show. Uh, Achieve is recorded at Subtractive and Hangar 8 at the Santa Monica Airport. Music is produced by Hennedy.